churched kids who, and even really well churched any age, if there is a, I don't know if the word is shame, but like you, if you've been in the church long enough, you don't feel like you should ask these, some of these questions because you feel like, why are you asking that question? You should just have faith. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you should just believe that. Yeah. You should just, <laughs> and I'm not of that camp. So that's yeah. why I want to have this conversation and for whoever it would benefit that you don't have to be afraid. You're not going to ask a question that topples Christianity. Ask it, get it answered because the devil plays in your doubt. And it's not worth, it's not worth it for you to sit in, in, your, in the quietness of your heart and, and try to be doing one thing on the outside and other things are going on on the inside. Hi, and welcome back to Study With Friends. I'm Paige Quadro, and I'm so glad you've joined us this week as we begin a new series. Most of us aren't always sure how to engage those around us to truly point them to Christ. That's why as we begin this series on apologetics, Holly and the ladies will be focusing on our questions and fears and the best method to push through so our conversations can lay the groundwork to show people Christ on an intellectual and personal level. If you'd like the homework or to check out any of our other resources, go to our website, studywithfriends.org. You can also listen to us on any of your favorite streaming apps or catch the ladies in action on YouTube. Now let's prepare our hearts with a word of prayer. God, thank you for this time, for for bringing us together, uh, for new faces. I'm super stoked about Brooke. Thank you for her. Thank you for Kathy. Thank you for Carol. Thank you for Greg. Um, and thank you for really reminding us that you are the focus. You are the center. You are the provider. You are the provision. You are the revelation. You are the word. Uh, whatever we do here, God, let it be pleasing to you. Um, I ask specifically that you would help me find my words and help me remember the truth that you've given me to say today and not stumble or get lost. Um, I rely on you completely. I know that you always show up, and I love you for that. We thank you and we praise you, and we lift this time up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm Holly, always here. Uh, host, I guess, or a facilitator, I don't really know, um, married, two kids, um, love love those kids, they're young adults now, they're not kids, uh, married, I guess it'll be 26 years this May, uh, we attend an Evangelical Presbyterian Church, EPC, yeah, um, <laughs> new to the table here. Um, yeah, my name is Brooke. Um, we come from a Baptist background, but uh, now my parents are pastors of a non-denominational church, but it's kind of more charismatic in nature, if you will. Um, and it's amazing. And it's a house church, so we're a very small mm. but very close family. I'm Kathy. I've been married for twenty, almost 21 years. It'll be 21 years soon. And uh, I have three kids, and uh, we currently go to a non-denominational church. My name is Carol, been married 18 years, have two children, both in high school, and uh, I attend uh, down in this part a uh, evangelical free church. Um, we also started attending a church over the summer, uh, Presbyterian, oh. believe it or not, so, <laughs> which is my background. I grew up uh, very sort of traditional Presbyterian. Yeah, uh, this is a great group. Not that every group isn't great, 
but I'm super excited <laughs> about how I already know that God is going to be in this room and in your hearts. Um, I love that. Um, I love that we represent really different churches right now. Yeah. Like I was just saying how much I love my denomination and I really do. I'm not criticizing non-denominational, but I really, as a, I think as a teacher, I really appreciate the accountability of a denomination mm -hmm. because I want that accountability. Uh, and, you know, home church, non-denominational church, like it's very different. Mm -hmm. And I love that. But the, I, I guess it's the motto of our denominational in, in, in the essentials, unity, mm -hmm. in the non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. And I, 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 I hate to co-opt a denominational idea for a study with friends, but I really like that one because it's really what, what this group is about. Like we may not dis, you know, we may disagree on what we would call non-essentials, mm -hmm. but we agree on the unity of the cross and of the person and work of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think we're going to talk a, a little bit today about division in our culture. And I think, um, we're not going to really talk a lot today, probably, I don't know, we'll see where it goes, about um, dividing issues in the church. Um, it's probably a conversation for another day. But at this moment in this room, with this group, in this ministry, I just love that we, we have all denominations. Last time I checked, we have like 11 denominations represented in our leadership team and the women who come around the table. And I love that. I love that. We would try to be multi-generational, multi-denominational, multi-ethnic, not a lot of diversity around. We're <laughs> super white, but, <laughs> but yeah, maybe next time we'll hit that, hit that one yeah. a little bit better. But, um, but yeah, that, I think that's important because it gives us a, a fresh perspective from our own personal experiences. So um, that always makes me really happy. So thanks for covering it in the intro. Okay, so we're going to talk. I'd like to start the conversation, um, and hopefully you brought some thoughts, because I'm really going to lean on you guys for the beginning of the conversation. I want to hear your thoughts broadly on hard questions about your faith, uh, the purpose of this series, or any part of what we do. I, I'm going to say the word, in apologetics. <laughs> How long did it take? Yeah. <laughs> um, I said I wasn't going to use that word. But anything that we do in the area of apologetics, it's a little bit different than what we do in the area of intense Bible study. And so these programs are designed to help equip Christians. I mean, certainly we would love for seekers to stumble upon this program and, and find truth. Mm -hmm. But the, the mission of this program is to help Christians deal with hard questions about the faith. And, and, and equip us as a church. Um, one of the things that's been on my heart for a while is that the church has done so much better in recent years with um, providing Bible studies and encouraging people to be in Bible study. But I, still, I personally still see a huge hole in the body around the ability to cope with seekers and skeptics when it comes to hard questions. We've, we've also done good work on evangelism explaining the gospel, your need for Christ, your sinful nature, like that packaging, we kind of know our way around that as well. Do you know what I'm saying? Yep. But this, this, this truth of how the Bible and our faith stands up to reason and history and logic and science, we're not super well equipped as a body in that way. And I'm going to say, especially women in the faith, we sort of 
defer those conversations to the men in our lives. And I don't know why. And that irritates me. (laughs) (laughs) It irritates me. And I just want to hear, I mean, it frustrates me. I I don't want to say it irritates me. It frustrates me. It makes me feel like, girl, you can do this, you know, and don't, don't just check out. Um, It became super clear to me when um, a few years ago I wrote a book and we talked it at the study with friends leadership level about adopting apologetics into this ministry, which we obviously did. And several of my leadership team were even of our leadership team were even like, yeah, apologetics. uh, I don't, I can't. What? These are mature women of the faith. And, and there's still a sense of that feeling like no man's land, really scary territory. Um, and so I'd love for you to just, can we start by sharing, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll share mine too, but I'd like to hear from you guys first, your experiences, um, either in your own doubts, um, hard questions that you brought to your own salvation experience, or questions that, uh, about the faith from people around you. Are you. Do you feel equipped? Do you feel like these are questions that you're, you're totally ready to handle, or do you feel like, ooh, there are some conversations I've had that I walked away and said, I could have done better there. I, sh- I should have had more answers. Tell me, tell me how that is playing out in your life. Well, for me, I feel like all of the above. I feel like there are certain things that I feel equipped to, han- to answer, to handle, and there are certain things that I'm like, man, I should have said, I would have said, I thought I should have, you know, I wish I had said. I come back two days later and I'm like, oh, I want to text them. And, mm-hmm. you know, so... Um, and then there are just fears on not having the right answers. And so there's some of that too, whether I've studied long-term or not, or I feel like I, I might know the answer as it applies biblically. It's hard for someone who doesn't know or love the Bible to answer in a way that's biblical, right? Because their experience just looks so very different from yours. So um, I think for me, it's, all, it's been all of the above. I've had fears. I've been excited about answering certain things. I've, you know, dug in and tried to really um, get the knowledge to give it that way, emotionally, logically, you know, in in Mm -hmm. a couple of different ways. And, um, you know, there have been some successes and failures. Yeah, that's true for all of us. Yeah. Um, So here's what I heard. Top of mind, struggling with having it top of mind so you have it in the moment. Mm -hmm. Fear of... I'm going to put words in your mouth. Tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. Fear of embarrassing your faith. Yeah. With the wrong answer. Yep. And struggling with your biblical worldview and their non-biblical worldview. Yes. Okay, got it. Yeah. Um, for me, so I I grew up in, uh, I have a, have a long history, um, which I'm proud of, but I have a long history of being a part of a family of pastors and leaders and teachers and and performers, um, and I was one myself uh, for years and years, and so that pressure does build up on you, mm-hmm. and just kind of starting off the tra- the um, conversation very transparent, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, um, you know, uh, people might look at a situation that I was in and, and think, quote-unquote, saved by birth, but mm-hmm. obviously I, I got saved at a young age. But what was interesting, my salvation story came from an experience where I got frustrated because I couldn't defend the Bible. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it was um, 
it was really telling for me because kind of in mentioning of growing up with pastors and leaders, I, I grew up around a lot of strong people, a lot of strong men and women in their faith that always had an opinion mm-hmm. and always, and not, not just an opinion, but always had an answer. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and I'm, I'm of the millennial generation. Um, so in that I've noticed in my generation, there is um, sometimes a, for lack of a better term, complacency that comes over us of, of, you know, and this is just what I've noticed truly. Um, you know, I'm sure that there are people that are different and people that aren't. Um, but I, I have noticed that a lot of my age group tend to defer rather than stand up. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I dealt with that a lot as a kid, you know, wait, tell me what you mean by defer instead of stand up. Um, well, so the generations around us, and again, this is what I've observed. This Mm -hmm. is all, uh, just personal opinion, but the generations I've noticed around the millennial generation are very outspoken and not that millennials aren't because I, I mean above and below. Yeah. Below mm-hmm. and uh, above and below. Mm-hmm. Um, a Gen Z I've noticed is very outspoken, <laughs> super, which outspoken. I, I love about that. I love about that. And then even my parents' generation, um, which I'm sure a lot of you guys are a part of is very outspoken as well and, and kind of grown up to be that way. Um, I've noticed with millennials, we, it's like God has given us a charge to be, you know, God has given us a charge for the generation um, of millennials to be innovators, especially because we were born in a, in a very, very um, uh, defining time for technology. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things happened between, you know, a lot of things got invented between the time I was born yeah. um, and the time that now, but because of that, um, and because of, of just the strong opinions around us, I I've noticed, um, my generation tends to listen and, and kind of adopt whatever theology or whatever strong opinion is around them and and almost Mm -hmm. adapt to their climate rather than create the climate. Mm -hmm. And, and again, I'll say this as another disclaimer, I'm not saying everyone is like that. And I started off that way. And God has taught me to have confidence in what I believe in who I am in him. And that's just come from pursuing relationship with him. But I, I say all that to say, um, you know, and kind of going back to your original question, that is where I came from. And God is still transforming me to be confident in where he has me now, you know, um, you know, obvi- it might it might have all re- I have, might have already revealed my age, but I am in my <laughs> later twenties, and usually, in your twenties, you tend to be a very different person from when you started to where you end. And I've noticed that a lot. You know, not just with myself, but with others my age, where or my age range, where in the beginning of your twenties, it's like you start off bold and then a lot of different things change mm-hmm. and, and especially being women, a lot of hormones change. <laughs> and then by the end, you're like, wow, I, this decade was very, very <laughs> different for me, you know? <laughs> yeah. So that's I noticed that in my kids. Yeah. yeah. They're yeah. charged, <laughs> charged up girls. Yeah. Yeah, especially Gianna. I always say she has a low hum of outrage at all times. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, because she's like yeah. society and yeah. social justice, and yeah. she's just like all the time. You could just just flicker right over oh the edge no. to like a platform she really believes in. Yeah. And there's like 17 of them, you know? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Which I love. I love that. Absolutely. So for me, I think a lot of it is, you know, I'm much older. I'm in my early 50s. And uh, 
the conversations that I've gotten into with honestly the few non-believers that I have in my life, which mm. is I think a source of problem that a lot of Christians don't have a lot of non-Christian friends yeah. that they're getting into these conversations with. And there's a lot of guilt about that. Um, but those that I do, there's either, you know, it's such a strong desire to not break relationship. Mm. So you kind of tiptoe around anything difficult because you don't want to put them off. You don't want them to never want to talk about this again, you know, um, or there's a very strong sense of, um, and the few times I have had again conversations, they'll just like, well, that's what you—that's your—that's be- what you believe, you know. But I believe this, and there's just this sort of hard stop, and I, and I never know what to say to say, well, but wait a minute, let's keep pushing into this. Like, <laughs> this is important to think about, or this is, you know, I'd love for you to think more about what you what you believe and why you believe mm-hmm. it. Um, <coughs> for example, I know a woman who has told me she's a believer. She goes to church or children have been, you know, brought up in the church. They go most Sundays. And yet she has a Buddhist statue in her mm. in her living room. Now I haven't had the guts to ask her about that. <laughs> yeah. But well, she, she might see the show and be ready to talk to you right after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what did you talk b- about? But just that Are you talking about me? <laughs> you know that she you know, this is I think a perfect example. So she doesn't see a disconnect between a Christian having a Buddhist statue in their mm. living room. It's not even like hidden away. It's like prominently in their living room. And yet I'm too afraid to even ask her about it, mm. you know? So, um, Oh my gosh. I so totally want to get into that with you. I have like 7,000 sure. ideas in my head of how you could attack <laughs> that I'm right sure now. you do. <laughs> <laughs> Another show maybe. Okay. <laughs> and then, and I guess as far as, um, you know, scripture specifically, you know, uh, you know, people don't know enough about the the history of like maybe how the Bible came together. But then, is that going to convince anybody right. to believe in the Bible? You know, oh no, well there was a Council of Trent, you know, thousands of years ago that decided <laughs> yeah. that this was the yeah. the canon, and you know, mm-hmm. like they'd be like, "What? Well, I, I just don't believe it because I don't. Th- I think it's a bunch of rules and right. and tells me I don't want to be told how to live." You know, mm-hmm. so I don't know if it's that important to be able to say. You know, we know exactly, you know, well, why does the Catholic Bible have this and the Protestant Bible have that? Like, I'm not sure yeah. you we're could totally talk about that. All that yeah, like, why Not today, but we're going to cover yeah, it. Yeah, like, why why does that matter that, you know, mm. Maccabees is in one and not the other or whatever, you know, so. Yeah. But yep, I totally. Okay, so <laughs> I, I forgot to recap. <laughs> oh, Let me recap both of yours, if you're, do- if you're done. I'm done. Okay. With you, I heard, wh- I'm so glad you're bringing this perspective because oh, she comes <coughs> from a not raised in the church perspective mm-hmm. oh, cool. y- and she comes from a raised in the church perspective and you come from a raised in the church yeah. perspective. And I come from a nominally raised in the church perspective. Like we went, but we weren't really doing that life. <laughs> yes. No, no, we went every week. Oh, cool. Because my pa- my mother especially was very much about that's what you do. Oh, you know, tra- like it's it's just part tradition. of. Yeah. Culture, culture, but we yeah. were not talking about it. I think I've said this on the program before. I think especially with me, my brother was a rule follower, but I definitely was not. I think especially with me, she was like, well, maybe Jesus can keep her straightened out. And because <laughs> I definitely can't. But uh, so I definitely think that was in there. But um, my uh, father's family is almost entirely atheist. And um, it's just not something we really talked about. So I love that you are bringing uh, so common I've heard so many times 
um, especially because both of my girls attend Wheaton. And uh, they're in the midst of a lot of kids who were absolutely from birth churched mm. kids. And you have to come to a point where you make your faith your own. And part of that is asking really hard questions and seeing oh, yeah. if our faith stands up to those questions, which is really what we want to talk about. And, that, and I, so I think that no matter where you come from, um, that can be a problem for the believer. And I heard shades of that in yours as well, because you said, you know, the biblical worldview versus like, how do I how do I juxtapose your question with the truth of the Bible that I know is true? Because I've I've spent enough time in Bible studies and it's really ingrained and indoctrinated in me and I believe it. But how do I get you from a place where you don't even believe the Bible is truth to adopt the discrete, the more granular cr truths that are in there? It's it's it feels like a, an impossible divide. So I love that you're coming from the perspective of churched kids mm -hmm. who and even really well churched any age mm -hmm. I think that there's a real nobody really said it but I really think there is a um I don't know if the word is shame but like you uh, you've been if you've been in the church long enough you don't feel like you should ask these some of these questions because you feel like why are you asking that question you should just have faith do you know what I mean? Like yep. you should just believe that yep. you should just, <laughs> and I'm not of that camp. So that's yeah. why I want to have this conversation and for whoever it would benefit, maybe it's just the four of us, but whoever would listen or watch that, it, that you don't have to be afraid. You're not going to ask a question that topples Christianity. Ask it, mm -hmm. get it answered because the devil plays in your doubt and it's not worth, it's not worth it for you to sit in and you in the quietness of your heart and and try to be doing one thing on the outside and other things are going on on the inside. Mm -hmm. Uh and so from you I also I loved what you said two really important things. One, the bubble. You didn't say the bubble, but that's what I call it. Like we're w if you live in a bubble and you're not really interacting with a lot of non-believers mm -hmm. and that's a tricky balance because I th I think for a lot of us associating or spending a lot of social time with non-believers can be a stumbling block mm -hmm. for us. We can fall into older behaviors or behaviors that we know are not God honoring. It's hard for us to stand up against that. So we do insulate ourselves so that we can protect our faith and our testimony. But I like that you were like, you know, we really probably shouldn't be doing that. Um, and I think if you just think for a hot second, there are plenty of places that you could have relationship with non-believers that maybe we're just not doing. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, I'm going to tie into what you also said about breaking relationship. And part of, I think, the reason that we don't pursue a non-believer is because we're afraid of the conflict. Mm -hmm. And so neighbors and people that are in your life, um, parents of your children's friends, those are perfect ways to be interacting with non-believers. But you're right, there is this trepidation about not being offensive and not being, again, this like witness to what we're supposed to be loving. We're Christians, we're supposed to reflect Christ. Totally true. Finding a way to reflect Christ in a culture filled with conflict and division when you know someone has a deeply held thought that is completely different than your own. Hi, this is Carol, and I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. We are a donor-funded organization, and while all the women who participate in our studies are volunteers, there are many costs and expenses that need to be covered by you, our listening audience. Please prayerfully consider supporting us with a one-time gift 
or even better, become a monthly donor. Just go to our website, studywithfriends.org, and click on the Donate tab. Also, please pray for us as we seek to fulfill our mission to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ through the fellowship of Bible study and the careful examination of your faith. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and check out our videos and podcasts on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. And please remember that our studies cannot substitute for being involved in a Bible-believing church that is close to you, where you can live out all aspects of the Christian life. God bless. Thank you.